Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vershero. And today in studio, which is exciting for me to say because we haven't done in-studio interviews for a while, but with uh, COVID on the run and uh, all of us getting together again, having whatever normal is going to be, we uh, dug out and found an individual that I have just found to be a tremendous uh, person to visit with and talk to and to get a little glimpse of his career. And I just thought, wow, this guy is somebody that our audience needs to hear from. His name is Mike Butts, and he is a business consultant, but he fondly says he's retired. I don't think you can afford to pull him off the bench. But Mike, welcome to our show. Dick, thank you very much. I appreciate being here. Well, we're glad you're here. And you know Mike, you and I have talked about a lot of different things. We're involved in a few things, and I know that in your career, there's a lot we're going to get into to hear about that. But just to help our audience, tell us a little bit about kind of what the history is. Did you grow up here in Michigan? Did it all start here in the state? It did not. I began my career in Tennessee. I was in Knoxville, Tennessee, come back from the Air Force, and found out uh, that I was a terrible employee of a company. <laughs> and um, decided that I was going to be a better employer and self-employed than I was employed. Launched a consulting business back in the early 80s, and the rest, as they say, No looking back. My gosh, that's early. You would have been a young man back then, so... Uh, That's back when I had hair, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's pretty courageous to do that, but it must have been an interesting moment. Did you kind of always feel you were going to run your own business along the way? I always wanted to run my own business. Yeah. My mentor coach, my father figure when I was growing up was my uncle. He was always self-employed. He was the guy that I modeled my life after. And I always thought, all right, I want to be just like him. Yeah. And lo and behold, that's exactly how my life played out. Isn't that cool? So that was down in Tennessee. Knoxville, Tennessee. Did that then create a move for you? Where was next? Well, from Knoxville was here. I traveled all around the country from Knoxville. I worked for a number of different companies in a couple of different industries. And in 1996, I had an opportunity to come to Lansing. I came up to speak at a conference, and the people that I was speaking for at the conference liked the subject matter real well and thought that they would like to offer that to their clients and their members here. So they asked me to move and moved up here in July of 96 and haven't left. (laughs) Haven't looked back. But from here, I've traveled again all over the country, all over the world, and uh, It's just been constant travel and constant work and business, and I've been incredibly blessed, and there we are. Yeah, I love it. Well, Tennessee is a beautiful state as well, no doubt about it. I just know your love of anything that floats on the water, so I can tell you, it doesn't surprise me that when you found Michigan, it found your heart, didn't it? It absolutely did. Yeah, there's so much to be said about that. We actually have another show we call Michigan Quarters, where we talk about travel and tourism and all meetings and such. And of course, you know, all the great things that Michigan offers is kind of a compelling case. Of course, there's people that don't like that fourth season we get called winter, but come on, it's too good of a place to live to be complaining about a little thing like winter. Not a fan of winter. (laughs) Well, the boat doesn't float so well in that hard water, does it? It does not. Yeah. Well, so when you got into the consulting business, was there a sliver of um, businesses that you felt you had a level of expertise or a passion for, or was it a wide open frontier? Well, I began my consulting career as a consultant for the insurance industry. Oh, okay. That was where I was working and found out that I had a love for building business and building businesses better. So started in the insurance industry and contacts from other industries led me to other venues and you know, you just kind of follow a trail across the sand. Yeah, good point. I mean, honestly, when you're in your own business, you're looking for revenue, you're looking for opportunity. And of course, sometimes 
you know, you get that phone call and the phone call, hey, uh, Mike, would you be interested in doing this or whatever? Oh, yeah, we can do that. And as soon as you hang up, you go, how am I going to do that, right? Absolutely. Was there ever a few of those kind of calls? There were several of those kind of calls. And uh, that caused you to do research. Yeah. And lo and behold, you might like the new industry. You may not. But as an independent consultant, you can always say no. Yeah. And a friend of mine used to say, have a being smart to know what you're dumb at. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I love it. Know, I'm going to get smart about your business and smart about your industry if I like it. And if not, I'll fulfill the contract and move on. Yeah. And Mike, how important was it when you were discovering new industries to serve, how important was it for you to reach out and talk to other people that might be experts in those fields? Did you find that you had an ability to do that and some resources? Absolutely critical. Yeah. I always had a nice network of people I could reach out to. It was rewarding. It was enlightening. And it was nice to have a network that you could interact with because they may know something you don't, you may have some information they don't. Right, right. And I, I discovered at the end of the day that business is business. I don't care what you're selling or what your product or service is. The core fundamentals of business are the same. Mm -hmm. There's some principles. Well, I think in our next segment, we're going to have a chance to uh, get into some of those core principles. I can't tell you how exciting it is to have you, Mike, here with us in studio. And, of course, here with us to share with our listeners some of the great things that you've learned along the way. And, hey, don't go anywhere because we're going to go pay some bills and come right back here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm with Mike Butts. And I'm Vic Versher. We'll be right back. today or go to laughq.com slash home equity laughq your credit union for life this is the leadership lowdown right here on michigan business network i'm vic versher i'm so grateful that mike butts took time out to be with us he's a business consultant he proudly says he's retired and i don't think i can afford to write the check to get him off the bench but by golly, we've got him here today to share some of his great thoughts and ideas. Mike, in the last segment, you were sharing with us a little bit about the fact that you thought there were some commonalities inside of all these various industries that you've served, and business kind of has a bit of a structure that you honored and evaluated. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on that. Well, thank you, Vic. I appreciate that. I started in the insurance industry, as I said, and one of the things I discovered in the insurance business, and I'm speaking only for insurance at this moment, was that most agencies weren't developing their customers to the maximum extent. For example, if you're selling business insurance and you're selling accident, health, and fire, and casualty, and et cetera, if you're selling to commercial clients, you may have fire and casualty in one particular area 
and you're not selling any other product to that customer. So the first question I would ask is, why not? Who are they buying that stuff from? Every business out there has liability. Everybody has workers' comp. Everybody has fire and casualty, et cetera, et cetera. So why not find out where they're buying those other products and see if you're competitive? And if you are, ask for the business. Yeah. Today, we are so competitive, you can't simply accept the business that you're given by a customer. You have to dig a little deeper and ask for more. Yeah. And the first publication that I ever put together, the first book I wrote, if you will, was how to sell more to existing customers. And it was just that topic. Turn over the rock under the rock. Mm -hmm. Find out where they're buying the product. And that same concept will transfer to the lumber industry, the automotive industry. It'll transfer to any business. Well, that's really cool stuff, Mike, because you're exactly right. Um, Sometimes you think, I got all their business, and all of a sudden you find out, oh, no, no, there's a lot more to be had there. But you also struck a nerve with me on something else. Let me ask you about this, because sometimes I think you have to be aware when you're dealing with your customers, aware of the opportunity that might be yours, and aware of the opportunity that might be somebody else that you can help. And what I mean by that is that sometimes we have we call uh, business networking groups, BNI groups. Um, those groups are all about sharing leads from other industries back and forth. It seems to me, Mike, that when you're in the insurance business or you're in other sales and you are talking to a client that's loyal to you, you're trying to get all the business you can out of that account so that it's completely matured and completely developed. But also, what about those other opportunities for business where you could introduce somebody else you know or some resources that might be able to help that person? Can you tell me about that? Because it feels like it creates a reciprocal opportunity for that same salesman. It absolutely does. And it also provides more dependence from that customer to you. I want to integrate my business and be part of their business. I want to be the guy they go to for those answers. And to take that one step further, the network that you develop becomes a closer, more profitable network. The people that I worked with, and I'll just throw a quick example out, there was a group of consultants in the lumber industry that we would meet quarterly via phone. We would meet annually in person. We'd go pick some spot where there was a golf course close by. And we would meet and talk about our customers. We would share clients. We would share challenges. But if I was sitting in a client's office in Atlanta and had a question popped up from my customer that I couldn't answer, I could pick up the phone and call one of the other consultants in my network. They could either answer it or I could refer the business to them. And it becomes a nice, tight, profitable network for the consultants, but it also provides additional level of service for the client because they now have one person they can go to and get the answers to their questions. And that's incredibly valuable for them. Well, I think it's really an opportunity because like you said, when you're creating solutions to clients' issues, then you're seen as a fix-it guy. You become invaluable. And I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is that people that would run around with their tongue hanging out trying to make a sale, they look like junkyard dogs, and clients can sense that. They're like, ah, that feels creepy to me. But when you go in with a sense of, I want to fix your problems, tell me about the issues that's confronting you, and let's see if I've got any answers. And I think that's a way, takes all the stress off the sale, but it also allows people to know that you're there for them, and there's a solution. And my favorite thing, Mike, 
maybe you're the one that said it originally, but the old comment was, hey, all sales is, is a great conversation that ends with somebody writing a check. And if nobody writes the check, it's been a great sale, right? And so that's part of what I think I hear you saying is that trying to be relevant, trying to be good for your clients is at the foremost. And is that kind of things that you coach in some of your business consulting? Absolutely. I want to make sure that the people I work with integrate themselves into their customers' businesses and become a trusted member of their team as well. We used to laughingly say it was one throat to choke. (laughs) One person to be that all for your customer. Well, and to your point, it feels like you know the customer a little bit more deeper when you have all of those elements because we talk about transactional sales versus really account selling and doing a great job for people. And, you know, that's really what sales is all about. That's really what businesses are all about. I think the business has to make a compelling reason every year to why they're in business, why they should be in business. And if you can't make that compelling reason, you can't identify that on elevator speech you probably uh, don't have it going on in terms of meeting needs and doing the kind of things that will make you be here for years and years. Well, we're here, right here on the Michigan Business Network with the Leadership Lowdown. I've got Mike Butts with me today, and I'm Vic Vershera. We're going to take a quick break and come right back. hiring capital area michigan works can assist you with your hiring needs all at no cost from large-scale hiring assistance to locating the right candidate for a hard-to-fill position capital area michigan works is your resource we offer creative solutions from career fairs to on-the-job training grants and scholarship programs to make sure you have the best and brightest employees visit our website at www.camw.org to learn more about how we can assist your business with its hiring needs This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versera right here in our Lansing studios right here with Mike Butts. And he's a business consultant, ultimately retired, but he's got all of this knowledge that we're still uh, having an opportunity to share with our audience today. And Mike, I must confess, as we think about some of the things that we talk about uh, trying to help businesses and when do they know they need a consultant, what are some of the troubling signs? So when you get called into a company... What's some of the first things you hear? What are they saying to you that makes it sound like, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm here. Let me roll up my sleeves and get to work. Well, it's a good question, Vic. Primarily, people are going to recognize loss. It's no surprise. They recognize loss of revenue. Yeah. And um, they've tried everything. Revenue drives everything in business, as we know. Okay, We don't do anything at all in business just to be nice guys. At the end of the day, you've got to make money. You're not paying the bills. You can't keep the lights on. Yeah. So loss of revenue, and they've tried everything. They've looked at their salespeople, they've looked at their customers, and they're scratching their head, and they're trying to find out what's going on. So they would call and go, hey, we've got a division that's just not performing the way it's supposed to. So that leads to questions. Tell me what you mean it's not supposed to, what it's not performing as well, as well as what do you have goals? What's your sales history? What are your people doing? How many people have you got? Have you got dedicated managers? Have you got dedicated suppliers? You got more than one supplier, you know, just a myriad of questions. One question gives an answer. The answer promotes another question. So it's all in asking questions and listening carefully to the response. Mm -hmm. A lot of business 
managers and business owners don't want to admit that they need a consultant. They started the business themselves. They think they know it all. And in some cases they do. But in some cases, we have second, third generation owners of companies out there that didn't start the business. They don't know the trials and tribulations that launched the company. They just know that when they took it over, it was doing extremely well, and now it's not. Yeah. So they don't know how to go back and, and reinvent some of the processes or analyze some of the processes. So it's reaching out, asking questions, listening carefully to the response, providing answers, and then digging a little deeper. I like to use the phrase, turning over the rock under the rock. And yeah. That's what it is. And going deeper. Well, let me ask you this before we get too far away from that whole thing is, do you talk to frontline people? Absolutely. Yeah. I start with the front line. Oh, you start there. When I get called into a location, the first thing I want to do is have an employee meeting, and I don't want any managers or owners involved. I love it. I want the employees there, but I want them there with the understanding that nothing said in the room is going to be attributed to any one individual. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back to the managers and go back to the owners with kind of an outline of some of the comments made, but I don't want anybody to be afraid to talk. And from the frontline employees, I go to the next level managers. And eventually, I'll sit down with the owner and leadership group to have those conversations. But the frontline employees are the ones that are facing the customers every day. And if you can't get honest feedback from them, you're not going to uncover the real well, problems. I have to tell you this story, Mike. Maybe you'll appreciate this one. My dad, he worked in shops and manufacturing his entire life. Most money he ever made his entire life was $2 an hour. He was born in 1903, had me when he was 57 years old. Really neat story, but I can tell you he worked in plastics during the war, and there were different things that were going on. And what happened was they would start the machines up, and at the beginning of the week, they would have something like 95% waste. And by the end of the week, they were down to like 3% waste. And so they couldn't figure it out. They brought in the Army Corps of Engineers. All the people came off the carpet, right, to come in and talk to the frontline workers. They didn't want to hear from the frontline workers, though, because my dad said, your problem is you're shutting down this machine. It's cooling off over the weekend, and all of that old plastic has got to work its way through the system. And by the end of the week, it's through the system, but now you got to shut it down for the weekend again. That's your problem. So here my dad, never graduated from the eighth grade, telling these suits what was going on, and he said he got called in and just got reamed and virtually almost got fired, he said, for telling that truth. But isn't that exactly what you're looking for? Somebody that's there living the front line of those examples and discovering and pushing that up to help create solutions, right? Absolutely. The frontline employee of any business is the person that's facing the customer, they're facing the challenges, and we don't know, as managers and owners, we really don't know how many problems they solve for us yeah, yeah. every single day, just as a matter of business. They Great point. They don't come to us for approval, they don't ask for permission, they just take care of the problem and move on, and we don't know it's a problem. Yeah, it, we have no clue, which is the best way that you can handle that thing. But you know, I think, Mike, uh, tell me about creating safe environments to say what's on your mind. When you say, employees, we're going to talk about something, but we're not going to attribute it to an individual. It's going to be just group information. That's a way to create safety, right? It's a way to create safety, and that's one of the biggest challenges you have to overcome when you're meeting with employees like that, because nobody wants to be singled out. Everybody yeah. has an opinion. They all have feelings and opinions. They all have experiences, but nobody wants to be singled out to be punished later. So it's creating that safe environment, and it's conveying 
the honesty that you're not going to attribute anything back to yeah. the individual. Yeah. And that's a challenge for a consultant because I'm the guy, quote unquote, wearing a suit coming in from out of town. They don't know who I am. Yeah. So the owners and managers have to set that up first and create the environment for me to capitalize on. Great point. It's all about credibility. And of course, trust is such a big word in all this, Mike. And so, man, we trust you to help us today, Mike, because I'm taking notes and really learning quite a little bit right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. You found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. And you found Vic Versero and Mike Butts having a cup of coffee and enjoying our time together. And I'm learning all kinds of great things about Mike's wonderful career as a business consultant and some of the many challenges that he got into. And I was thinking, Mike, as you get into those scenarios, you might sign on to work with a company, but maybe you don't know the whole story when you get there. So were there ever any challenges that kind of once you got the can of worms opened up, it was a can of worms, and where do I go from here, right? Was there panic that set in? Absolutely. really wasn't panic. Frustration more than Yeah, that. yeah. I signed a contract with a company in Minnesota a number of years ago and um, went up, sat down at the board meeting. Everything went extremely well. I thought, all right, this is going to be a winning contract. The company was very open about their financials. They were open about their goals. They had uh, regular planning sessions for short, intermediate, and long-term goals for the business. I thought, this is the kind of a group that I want to work with. So I was brought in by one of the VPs and later discovered that there was an awful lot of political maneuvering at the executive level between the VPs and the CEO of the company. And some of the other VPs didn't respect the guy that I was working with as my primary contact. So they weren't being very cooperative in the field. And this particular company had decentralized management in that they had VPs that rarely left the corporate office. They had district managers who were in the field working with their store managers. And the district managers were making their own decisions on a daily basis about what they wanted for their particular group of stores and just reporting the results that the corporate office wanted to hear. They weren't necessarily reporting the true results of what was going on. So my challenge, the challenge I had received from the CEO was go forth and fix this, (laughs) which was great. That's what I was there for. But the more I tried to work, the more apparent became the issue with the VPs and the politics and the backfighting and what was supposed to have been a four-year contract turned into about a 16-month contract. I forfeited 
a large chunk of change and just walked away smiling, got on a plane, flew back home and thought that was fun. Yeah. Well, it feels a little bit like, forgive the analogy, but it feels like they gave you a gun with no bullets. I mean, you go out there and all you can do is uh, wander around. And of course, tell me a little bit about this consultant world, because we have a number of uh, business leaders and some of them are consultants that have tuned in. Tell me about that world, because I think a good consultant will pick at the edges to the point where it's almost uncomfortable for the corporate leadership because you're asking and probing questions that should make them double down on their thinking, right? But is there ever a time when you can push that too far where they go, okay, I'm done with you, right? Because you're dealing with huge egos oftentimes that are running a company, right? Absolutely. And I like your analogy of picking at the edges because that's what we do. You start on the outside, the periphery, and you start digging in a little bit at a time. And you, yeah. you find a soft spot, you probe, and find a soft spot, you probe, and, and you turn over issues and you uncover problems. And in many cases, uncovering those problems and those issues becomes a threat to someone further up the chain because that was their pet project or that was their pet area or department. And that threat can then turn into a cancel contract. So as a consultant, you've got to tread lightly. You've got to know exactly where your place is. You mentioned in the last segment, credibility. You're brought online because you have some degree of credibility or expertise that's recognized. You've got to make sure that you protect that because you want to stay in business. Right. So you've got to protect your credibility. But at the same time, you've got to respect the business that you're working with because somebody's blood, sweat, and tears started that business. Well, and you bring up a good point. Is that I think some of our challenges in this whole thing is that you got to tread softly because you don't know the history that goes with some of these things. To your point, is it a pet project? Was it that person's CEO's idea? And it just nobody ever shot it because of that reason? And I think there's something to be taken from that. As a consultant, you can kind of help coach us as a new employee. We walk in into a new leadership role with a company. Maybe we've been hired from the outside, and now we come in. Tell me about how, I think it goes back to, I'm going to turn over the second rock that's going deep, right? So that's kind of a good analogy for us to think about even in new careers is how do we tread when we go into a culture that we don't necessarily haven't built or don't own absolutely sit back and listen you know if you're hired in a new company into a leadership or management role you may have a whole box full of brand new ideas yeah. that are all bright and shiny and you can't wait to launch them sit back and be quiet for a little bit see how things play out yeah. and get a feel for the field of play if you will Using a sports analogy, a coach doesn't make a change based on one play. He makes a change based on the tenure of the game. Sit back and look at how the game's playing out and see where your ideas might fit. And maybe some of your ideas need to stay in the box. Yeah. Uh, but be careful because if you want this to be a long-term uh, employment opportunity, you can't start stepping on toes the first time out. Yeah. We mentioned this earlier, the word trust. And of course, you know, if people have trust that you are not just a resume builder or you're just not passing through, and I got to believe in a consultant's world, it's got to be really a big thing because, you know, who's this guy think he is coming in here? We've been here for 30 years and he walks in, thinks he knows everything. I mean, those are the kind of comments I've heard (laughs) from other people in an organization that are reflecting back on that consultant situation. So there's a lot of challenges there and a lot of things that uh, we're unpacking today, Mike. And I'm so glad you're here. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm glad you tuned in to the Leadership Lowdown, especially. I'm Vic Verschere. We'll be right back.
Looking for high-quality office furniture on a budget? Stop by the office outlet at 516 North Larch in downtown Lansing for huge savings. We've got new and used office furniture from brand-name manufacturers, all at discounted prices. Browse through 5,000 square feet and save on seating, desks, files, storage, and more. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. The Office Furniture Outlet is your destination for office furniture on a budget. Visit us online at officeoutletyes.com. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Big Bursher, and I get to steer the leadership lowdown for a little while. And today I steered right into Mike Butts, and he's doing a great job for us, helping us in that consultant world as well as the business world, trying to unpack and understand which way we should go and what things we should learn from along that journey. So, Mike, one of the things that I think I should pull up here for a second, last second we talked a little bit about trust. And I think about when you come walking in, you're the hired gunslinger, and I think probably the worst thing you can do is start shooting off your gun. In my mind, that's the mouth, right? So uh, tell me about how do you build that momentum to make an impact when an organization hires you? Well, Vic, thank you for asking that. That leads into a good story, if you will. I wrote for a national trade publication magazine for 20 plus years. Oh, wow. I was on the board of directors from the publication company. I was a guest speaker at events all over the United States, keynote speaker and presenter at the events. I sat on several boards. One of the boards, a little company called Harvard University up in Boston. <laughs> there, oh, isn't that a community college? Yeah, I think it's a two-year college, kind of online with uh, LCC, I'm not sure. <laughs> but it was that image, it was that persona that got the phone to ring. People would read a column that I had written for the magazine, and it would strike a note with something they had in their business. Or they would hear me at a national conference, and I would say something. So that generated the trust, or at least it generated the interest. And then emails and phone calls would generate the trust. So that by the time I got to a particular company to work with them and for them, my reputation was solid with the owners and managers. Then it was up to me to generate the trust or create the trust and the safe space, as you referred to it, with the other employees in the organization. But it was all in having that public persona that that's what made the phone ring. Well, and that's really powerful because when you get those kind of scenarios, it's all about familiarity. And I think what happens is, is that they saw you on stage, they read your articles and they go, this guy is in the know. And so you get some instant credibility coming in. Tell me, I guess maybe a personal question, how do you get published like that? I mean, is it just being engaged? Do you submit though? How'd that work? Well, in this particular case, I was the VP of the Michigan Lumber Association and the National Lumber and Building Material Association had a regular monthly magazine. And I was asked by the editor of that magazine to submit an article just what's happening in Michigan at the time or something like that. This was a thousand two years ago. <laughs> but from that article, one of the national trade publications picked up on the writing and what I had to say, and they asked me to submit a guest article. So it was guest article after guest article, and pretty soon I was asked to submit a regular column, became a regular columnist for two different magazines, promoted to the board of directors, with the, and it was a snowball. Yeah, But it was all in just having said something that caught the attention of someone. And I have to give the magazine credit. Without the magazine article every month, I wouldn't have had near the business that I had. Boy, maybe a personal question. But when you have the chance to submit that article, are you looking for payment there for the work you did to write the article? Or you say, no, I'll get paid in future consulting business down the road. 
Is that kind of a symbiotic thing? That I never got paid for one article I ever wrote in my entire life. But boy, did it pay you. It paid off down the line. Interesting. Um, everything I did, I've written my entire life. And every column I've ever written was done for free just to get the name out there, just to provide a service. Yeah. I uh, never received a penny for any of my writing. However, I got paid tenfold for the business that was okay. created by that. Well, and so when you think about doing those things, it's paying it forward, whatever it is. I just don't think you can outgive what you get. Because I know for a fact you've been on a number of boards and different elements that didn't pay you a plug nickel. Exactly. Uh, but there you are volunteering and being a part of it. But time and time again, it creates a relationships. It creates an opportunity to uh, discuss what you do and possibly make those connections or networking to other elements. And then, of course, the whole thing is there's a lot of personal satisfaction when you write an article that somebody, you get a letter or an email or a note that says, wow, that was really spot on. You really hit a nerve with me. This is really great. Then all of a sudden you feel like you're writing with purpose, right? Absolutely. There's nothing more gratifying than walking into a business and having people go, oh, hey, man, I read your article last month. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Yeah. Or getting the emails or the personal notes, the phone call. It's extremely gratifying, and it does stroke the ego a little bit. <laughs> sure. Admit, yeah. Well, and of course, you know, part of what happens, too, is that if you go into uh, these locations, into a firm, and you're not real sure, you don't have a little bit of an ego that says, I'm here to fix what's wrong. I think that that's a pretty important position or posture to have, not in an obnoxious way, but just in a confident way going, going look, I've seen a lot. I think I can help you. And let's see if we can work together to find some great solutions. You know, one of the things that I think is interesting to me is, uh, and I was probably wrong when I said this, but I was in the heat of the battle and I had some accountants that were coming at me and I'm head of marketing and sales. And I said, let's just hold up just for a second here. You guys just remember your job is to keep score. I'm on the court making it happen, okay? And so that's kind of really pretty direct and pretty mean-spirited. But on the other hand is know your role and know that you're confident in your role that what you have to do here is try to lift and help people. And when you're in a consulting role, there's some really cool things that have happened in your career and some great ways you've helped people. You're helping us today, Mike, right here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. We're going to be right back. Stop staring at your phone and plan some fun this winter at Treetops Resort. Dog sledding, tubing, sleigh riding, indoor golfing, ice skating, swimming, racing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, scavenger hunting, juggling, or relaxing in the spa. That's just some of the fun you can have. And there's skiing, and snowboarding, and sleeping, and eating, and drinking, and eating and drinking while cross-country skiing. I think you get the point. Get outside and have some fun or be boring. 888-TREETOPS or treetops.com. Michigan, Michigan. 
This is our final segment right here on the Leadership Lowdown. You found the Michigan Business Network, and we found Mike Butts, and I have just such a privilege to talk to him today. And of course, you know, I have a big belief that nobody does it alone. And along our journey in life, there's so many times that somebody's picked us up and helped us along the way, maybe pointed us in the right direction. So I want to pose that question to Mike today. Mike, uh, there have to be some mentors in your world that really touched your life and made a difference. They're absolutely worth it. We don't get anywhere, let me rephrase that, I've never gotten anywhere without somebody leading me or guiding me. Yeah. A life of service goes both ways. And there was one particular gentleman in the lumber industry who was became a friend of mine. He was a coach and a mentor, and he encouraged me for quite some time to become a consultant in the lumber industry. He said, come, you got to come work for these guys. These are really, really super people. I never thought that I had anything that I could offer another business. And, but listen to him, and he coached, and he mentored, and he would call, and, and he would encourage, and he would send me messages, and uh, took me under his wing and helped develop a career. And uh, super, super, super nice people. Uh, my uncle was that way. He coached me and mentored me when he found out that I wanted to be self-employed. And uh, he would call, and, hey, what are you doing, Bubba? And uh, I'd tell him. And he was, as a favorite uncle, he could shoot straight from the hip, and he did. But we need those people in our lives, and I like that. I try to be a mentor and a coach to some of the people I work with. There's an organization here in Lansing that I work with right now, and a young lady that's coming on board, she's the daughter of the guy that owns the company, and she's trying to position herself to take over the company when he retires. And same thing, I'm trying to be that mentor coach for her to help her make the right decisions, to uh, not correct the decisions that she's made, but to analyze the decisions that she's made so that she takes a step back and looks at what she's doing. Let's take ego out of it. Let's replace ego with confidence. Yeah, maybe it makes some strategic kind of decisions. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. good. Sometimes she wants to be a little reactionary, Yeah, and that's fine, but let's make sure that we're reacting to Real situations, not imagined situations. Well, ah, man, boy, that's great stuff right there, Mike. Honestly, I think about times I've been drawn into the rumor mill. Somebody said this, somebody said that. And, man, when you're in a leadership position, you need to rise above that and say, look, people are going to say what they're going to say. Am I going in the right direction? Am I making strategically good moves? Am I lifting people, building the organization? All those questions are the things that I want to make a difference with along the way. Well, we're going to run out of time here. Man, I could talk to you forever. As a matter of fact, we will, Mike, because we're friends. But I want to make sure that I take a moment here to um, circle all the way back to something you said in some of the earlier segments. It was about, I think you said, vice presidents that never left their office. That struck a nerve with me because I've been a vice president caught in my office. And so tell me a little bit about your thoughts, why that's important. It's important for the leadership of any organization to get out in the field and meet with their customers, meet with their suppliers, meet with the people face-to-face, not over the phone, not via email, face-to-face with the people that are responsible for both generating business and bringing business to you. You can't isolate yourself behind a glass wall. You may have a corner office, but the corner office has windows. Look out the window. Yeah. Okay, get down to the street. Let's meet with our people. Because you've got employees of your company that are there, and they need to see that you're interested. They need to see that you're engaged, that you're involved. You can't isolate yourself. So one of the downfalls of a business is leadership and management that isolate themselves from the front line. 
Yeah. You may have some great ideas, but you don't have all the ideas. So one of the challenges I always was concerned about was being the professional visitor, you know, interrupting those poor folks that are working so hard. And when I walk on the floor, all of a sudden it's 10, everybody's all, and I just was trying to say hi. And of course, so give me your thoughts. When the VP comes through and says hi, is that an interruption of the day or is it appreciated by most? I think that it's appreciated by the frontline employees, especially if you know something about them. Yeah, yeah. One of the most impressive people that I ever worked with knew every employee in his company and would make it a point of stopping by and having a personal conversation with an individual. I don't care if they were driving a truck, building a load for a truck, working with a customer behind a counter. He knew the person on a personal basis and had a conversation with them. It's terribly important for those people who are carrying the load every day to feel appreciated. Um, If a VP's presence on the floor is a startling experience, that means you're not spending enough time on the floor. Great point. Great point. Well, you know, and we always talk about people don't leave companies, they leave managers. You know, that's the kind of things that really focuses us on that. Well, Mike, I'm almost out of time here. Tell me, I know that you're retired, not looking for any new consulting contracts, but I do know your heart. And I think that you're the kind of guy that would be willing to help anybody that had a question. So is there a way that people could contact you if they had a question for you or some uh, guidance they're looking for? Absolutely. I'm more than happy to help anybody that wants to reach out. The best way to reach me is email. And the email is just very simply jmichaelbutts at gmail. It's just the letter J, Michael Butts at gmail. No capital letters because there's no pretense. And how are you spelling butts? B-U-T-T-S. Very good. Okay. Well, hey, Mike, thank you. You were awesome, just as I had hoped for. And of course, the amount of uh, pearls of wisdom and all the other things that come your way, uh, it comes from a journey of doing the right thing all your life. And I certainly think you've done that and done some great things and made some great contributions. So you certainly have right here the Leadership Lowdown. Thanks to Mike Butts. He joined us today. Thanks to you. You listened in. We can't tell you how much we appreciate that. What a great day it is to be right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero. Can't wait to talk to you next time.